welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Scott, joined, as always, by Adam Lefko and Russell Joy. Guys? Man, uh, I, I haven't seen Russell this morning, Kyle. I only see this baby-faced assassin on Skype right now. Who is this? Good morning. If only people listening had, uh, had the video here, Russ has uh, reduced about six years in his age. He's officially 12 years old. It's adorable. I'm going undercover as a, uh, I, I don't even know. I've got nothing. <laughs> you were going to say something so creepy. <laughs> nah, yeah, I, I don't know. I got nothing. Do your students officially look older than you today? I'm pretty sure that a lot of them will, yeah. And it's nice. funny. You know what, though? On a positive note, at least the lunch ladies will likely uh, charge me a student price for lunch, which is nice. It's like two dollars instead of the traditional 450 for the same meal thanks michelle Obama. Like, keep the Tax hair underneath the bottom lip what's that or is that just shadow is there hair underneath your bottom no, lip? no no i'm not going i'm not going to chase utley soul patch today i'm going i'm going it's all gone oh well, you know what you should be growing for the next two weeks chase utley soul patch for the win do it um I'd rather not look like some lost French guy that just happened to like catch a boat to the States. So I think I might have to pass on that one. <laughs> All, right, so, <laughs> All right. I'm done. So uh, I, we actually got some, we actually got some good news here. We are officially in the top 100 in sports in iTunes. I think we cracked as high as 71 yesterday in the general sports category. Uh, just passed at the time, Rich Eisen. Eisen leapfrogged us late last night. Um, but we're coming up on Whitlock and, uh, what, Cowherd. So we are, we are nipping at their heels. Uh, I, I actually I don't think that's based upon total listens. Unfortunately, I can't imagine that we have surpassed I believe, uh, Eisen. I believe it's based on percentage growth. So yes. this would be the time when we would make a list like that. We will strike. Uh, it, it is also based upon, and I, I have read this, um, the more reviews you get, especially five-star reviews, that iTunes has some ranking algorithm that uh, includes reviews, downloads, and, like you said, Adam, momentum. So uh, we're doing well. We're in the top 100. Let's see if we can crack like the top 50 uh, by Friday and uh, maybe make it into the new and noteworthy, which actually gets us exposure to a slightly wider audience, which we would take. Um, so thank you for all those reviews. We did get to questions in the reviews, and we will get to them first thing today. Uh, we're going to do almost exclusively questions since we've had so many we haven't gotten to uh, a cornucopia of topics. Uh, but first, we do have a little follow-up. Uh, Russ, I will turn it over to you. The draft lottery system in the NHL and NBA, which you said was completely different in the NHL. Uh, we immediately got feedback. It turns out it is actually exactly the same sure is so uh, <laughs> you know uh, so all those of you out there who are listening to this podcast for your news and for really in-depth analysis and who absolutely Don't. believe everything that i've ever said i apologize i would like to uh i, I thought about hiring true rosenhouse to represent me on my uh, driveway um Really, what it was is the the draft is the draft lottery is the same process. Uh, the NHL lottery used to be entirely different from itself, not from the NBA. The NHL actually adapted itself to be the NBA draft lottery, uh, where they do the lottery for third, second, and first. 
the NHL used to have things in place where they would um, limit the jump that a team could do up to a maximum of four spots. And they used to only do the lottery for just the top pick, which is why when the Flyers finished with the worst record in hockey years ago, um, they only fell to second uh, in the James Van Riemsdyk and Patrick Kane draft. So uh, to, re- to recap, yeah. and that, that, of course, was a great, great moment in Flyers history, not getting yeah. Patrick Kane. Um, to recap, yes, the NHL and NBA both um, do a draft lottery for third, second, and first, and then everybody else is put in inverse order, starting at least wins. I apologize, but uh, you know, kudos to the person. The first comments are on the uh, podcast story. Uh, I think called me clueless, which is totally fine because that's what most people say most of the time. So, uh, anyway, I hope we cleared that up. And uh, by the way, back- I'll let it slide. The, the The actual thing you were wrong about was was saying that they pulled the lottery for all fourteen NBA teams. By the way, Adam and I completely agreed, uh, and you just completely ignored that fact there and spun it into a a minor technicality. So, uh, nice work on the spin too. Listen, um, if Bill O'Reilly's out of a out of a job, why can't <laughs> can I can I spin? Is that okay? Yeah, hey, that was well done. That was very diplomatic of you. Um, that we were of course talking about the Flyers, uh, the Flyers getting the second pick, and we were talking about that on Monday. And Adam, you had asked we should choose which player we want, yeah. and all three of us decided Nico Hirscher. From here on out, he will just be Nico. Um, mostly just because of his name. None of us really knew much about him other than Russ. I did a little research, wrote a post about it yesterday, all in on Nico. Uh, okay, so so real quick, the, the two guys are Nolan Patrick and, and Nico, and most likely Patrick's going to go to the Devils. He is a 6'3", bigger, two-way center, the sort of guy the Flyers have always had. Uh, he could score, but he's also as equally as impressive in the defensive zone, in the neutral zone, and yada, yada, yada. We've had three of these guys every year for the last 30 years. Nico, on the other hand, is a six-foot, 174-pound, soaking wet Swiss center who has just skyrocketed up the charts. Russ, you mentioned it, 86 points in 57 games in his uh, Halifax Mooseheads season this year. Um, All the scouts laud his agility, his ability to make plays, his ability to score, He's quicker than he is fast. He likes open space. Um, he's just he's just a flat-out offensive force. Not that good in the defensive zone. Fine with me. Uh, we've had I need a carts to my Richie. Uh, we need, I will, at this point in Flyers fandom, just take someone who could put the goddamn puck in the net. So I am all aboard Nico, mostly just because the Flyers are going to wind up with him, and I've talked myself into him. Yeah, uh, and his name is Nico. Yeah, I think it, the only thing that's really interesting to me is the notion that uh, I'm just going to call him the other guy because I want Nico so bad. The other guy is also known as having an amazing bloodline of leadership. And the interesting thing about the Flyers right now is they kind of have to decide, you know, do they stay with G and Simmons, who are nearing 30, and make that the core of the team? Because it sure does sound like if they go with the other guy, they could build around him as the center of the future. But Nico is that exciting, flashy dude, it sounds like, that can come in and add to it all. Uh, Because I'm not ready to give up on G and Simmons. And I just want, I think Nico sounds like a nice addition. Uh, What do you think, babyfaced assassin? uh, Well, speaking of babyfaced assassins and guys named Nico, if you ever played Grand Theft Auto, 
Yes, uh, one of the, I am one of the main so characters. glad you brought that up. I thought yeah. that would have been too niche to even mention. You know what, though? I'm a little bit worried, though, because if we get Nico, I really hope his cousin Roman doesn't always call to ask if he wants to go to play billiards. <laughs> you know, that's that's my only fear. Ah, cousin, what are you doing today? No, nothing, Roman. And you just hit ignore. Um, was but, that Vice City? But, uh, no, that was City. G- I think it was GTA 4. 4, okay, which was in like some random spot, right? Yeah, LA, San Andreas. I Whatever. You, now, see, now now we're going down a rabbit hole that a bunch You're of people right. on the comment section are just going to rip us apart for. The guy's name was Nico, which is also spelled with a K, not a C. I get it. Um, but you know what? I think we've already spent a bunch of time talking about the Flyers, which automatically means that there's some guy in his basement. Uh, actually, I'm in my basement. But there's yeah, some guy in his basement. you can't talk about people's basements. Who's, uh, who's currently complaining that we haven't talked about a, an Eagles seventh-round draft pick. So I guess we... Uh, we should probably move on. No, so yeah, but you know what? Though I'm not even so sure that's the case. I did the post the other day on on Missinelli. He spent no joke 38 seconds addressing the topic of the of the Flyers getting the second round pick. By the way, on the flagship radio station of the Philadelphia Flyers, I get it was Monday. I get it was the day after the NF, NHL and NFL yeah. draft. But and I know that's not going to be your talking point for the day. And maybe you disagree with me, Adam. I can kind of tell by the tone of your voice, but. I feel like we talked about this on Monday. This was probably the actual biggest news in terms of most impactful news over the weekend that could affect the Philly team. I mean, getting a guy like that is changing a little bit the direction of your franchise if they turn out to be who they are. Um, I thought you could have given it at least five minutes out of four hours on Sports Talk Radio to just what we did, mention how important it is, and then move on. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I always go back to thinking about stacking a show and what people are going to want to talk about. And then also there's a window for the draft where, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, probably of this week, people are still going to be figuring it all out. And then you can get to the hockey later. But the question is, will he get to it later? Will he get to it closer to the draft? Uh, You guys obviously listen a lot more than I do, but for me, Monday after the draft, people have so much to yell and scream about that. I just don't know how you miss the opportunity, but it is interesting that we spent more time. And to be candid, uh, we don't owe them anything. And apparently, like you said, they're the home of the Flyers, which you'd expect, you know, may- maybe even a, t- a throwaway two to three th- uh, minute segment. But it is what it is. Maybe without the condescension at the very least. Yes. Uh, All right, so let's go on to questions. We've gotten a lot. I think we took them maybe in our second show. We didn't get to them in the first or third. So this is sort of a combination of ones we've had. And these are the ones ones. on the five-star reviews. Well, the first two are. So we got a couple in the five-star reviews. Keep the reviews coming. We'll keep keep it out there for you. If you leave us a five-star review and put a question in the review, we will answer it. doesn't matter what it is. We will answer it right at the – I don't know if it's the top of the show next time, but we will answer it. It's like TSA pre-check of podcasts. Absolutely. So uh, this first one comes from uh, JoeK76, five-star review lever. He says – this is a good one uh, and actually fits nicely with what we were just talking about. Do you think the current format of Sports Talk Radio will exist – in five years, is there any chance that a radio station would just fill programming with previously recorded podcasts throughout the day rather than just keep the current structure? Um, I have a couple of thoughts here. I do think it will still exist. Um, I think it's going to look a lot different. Right now, radio stations are, 
first of all, the thing radio is really good for is like cable news. There are certain things you need to be live for. As, as frequent as this podcast is, if something breaks at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, it's going to be another 40 hours or so until we record. Radio is uniquely positioned to address that. If there is breaking news, you instantly turn on, whether it's cable news, if it's something in the world, or something in local sports, you're going to sports talk radio. So I think the live nature works. Where it doesn't work is you take a look at our shows. We have 45 minutes. Generally speaking, unless a team is really going for a championship or there's some crazy news, that is more than enough time to discuss what happened in local sports the day before. Sports Talk Radio has to do that over the course of 24 hours, so it gets repetitive. And this is where I, th- I think you start to see people being driven away. You could tune in to the radio for 20 minutes, hear everything you're going to hear, and if you're the t- sort of person who has a long commute or listens for a long period of the day, you're just going to hear the same recycled topic. And I think that's where it gets stale, and that's why people come to podcasts, because you can get a same conversation, talk about everything that needs to be discussed, and moved on. So I think radio will exist. There is that need for live, but uh, you will definitely – WIP uh, is owned by Entercom now. Uh, yes. They just brought in someone – I forget his name. I, we're going to do a post on it this morning to focus on uh, distribution on other platforms. So I think what you're going to start to see is radio stations using their talent, their infrastructure, their studios, their connections to produce shows that are not meant just for live radio and and something that is a little bit more on demand um and i don't know if they're going to fill that with recorded podcasts but i wouldn't be surprised if they went more towards an on-demand a la carte model and making their if they were smart making their programs available on different devices and not being solely tied into advertising dollars on live radio yeah, I think the advertising dollars is the first thing that I was going to bring up. I'm interested to see how that evolves over the next five years because when I listen to sports talk radio, it's like 20% callers, 40% commercial, and then like 20% in talking commercials in addition to that. And then the other 30% is like good content. Um, it, it is really a beast that constantly needs to be fed where – like with our podcast, the hope is people want 45 minutes of unadult, of unedited, unadulterated, uh, like just no no commercial content for their commute. Um, it, it is very interesting because I don't think radio has been the one that has been able to last the longest. Um, when you buy a car, it comes with a radio. Uh, now you you can't you're not really cutting your cords with you know, regular radio. It's not satellite radio. You're not paying any extra premiums for it and you're getting them right there. But look, people are attaching with Bluetooth and they're avoiding it completely. Well, uh, I'll the, go the a step co- further. I mean, I just got a new car. It's got LTE in it. I mean, a lot of, co- it's got Apple yeah. play. So the minute you come in and plug your phone in, your car is it now running through your phone it. and your interface my, is right there. My question will be, is it going to be as local as it was? There was a movement, uh, I would say, five, ten years ago. Um, 97.5 was the leaders in that movement, the anti-Mike and Mike movement, where they went local and, and then everyone, start, like all the ESPN affiliates were like, okay, we can't really just dump national on here. That's the other question is, can you will it will it be more local or will it be more national in five years? Will that get cyclical again? I'm not sure. I think yeah, go ahead. I, 
I, I just I, I don't think that the idea of a station adapting podcasts or making deals, partnerships, if you will, with certain maybe local podcasts is out of the question, especially for the overnight kind of shift where where you can't exactly find um, decent programming, um, at least on, I think, 97.5, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but I seem to remember they've gone back to syndicated stuff late night, whereas WIP uh, is a big daddy gram is over is overnight. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think that that would be a, a, an interesting starting point for a station is to make partnerships with local podcasts as a way to, you know, get content and then also possibly find people that that they might eventually want to replace their, you know, bigger, bigger name guys with for a lower rate. Yeah, and I, you bring up a good point there. I've talked to people in the local radio circles. First of all, I don't think local ever totally goes away because a, yeah. a good chunk of sports talk radio is talking about the local team. So as much as the national headlines especially are a thing, especially in a city like Philly, there's always going to be one of people who, who talk about their teams. And this is right. the lowest point we've gotten in terms of local success <laughs> Uh, and it's still, I don't know, I don't know if going strong is the right way to describe it, but it's still very much a thing. And when you have the Eagles driving for a Super Bowl or the Phillies in the playoffs, there's absolutely a need for local talk. And I'd like to think maybe we could fill some of that. Uh, the other point is, um, I've talked to people in local radio, and some have pointed out that a station that plays, whether it's pop music or classic hits or easy listening B101 type stuff, they can often get ratings just as good, if not better in some cases, than sports talk radio with costs that are like a fraction of what fraction. you're spending on 97.5 for the morning show, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars. On WIP, it is millions of dollars. Cataldi makes over a million. When you add in Al and Rhea and bonuses, that show is up over $2 million a year. Just the morning shows. Mike Missinelli makes... Uh, I don't know for sure, but I'd say at least 500000 or or thereabouts. Everyone else that you're spending, like Reese, I think, makes upwards of $200,000, um, which I know your, your, your head just fell off. But um, you, can, you can almost get those same ratings and same ad dollars with very little spend. And there is some talk that down the line that might be the sort of thing that Beasley does. Now, no one knows this for sure, but there's a lot of conjecture about that. What... CBS has merged with Entercom. They're bringing in a guy to focus on distribution and sports. So I don't think WIP is going anywhere, and I don't think 97.5 is going anywhere soon. But, um, you know, I wouldn't rule it out down the line that, that it becomes a one-station town again. Um, go yeah, ahead. When we were, I mean, look, when we were talking to Ennis, that's what he was saying. That's what his vibe yeah. was. That could be yeah. a, a format change. And uh, you're right. I mean, live humans in studio personality driven content always takes a lot more than autoplay. Um, but yeah, well, what do you guys think? Do you think Philadelphia needs to be a two station town or do you think it inevitably will only be a one? What's your gut say? I think eventually it's a, it's a one station town because interesting. like, First of all, you look at how spread thin the talent is across the two stations. When there was a one WYP, there was genuinely yeah. in its heyday. You had Cataldi and Macnow and Missinelli and Eskin all on the air 
and Gargano, I mean, guys who are talented, whether you like them now or not, or, or some of their acts have gotten stale, they had a really good lineup. And when you spread that across two stations, I mean, some of the nights and weekend guys there are, are guys who have been producers in their mid-20s. You know, it's not, it's not particularly good. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I do think part of it is eventually Beasley or someone will realize that, hey, we could, we could do this for half the cost. And and the economics will come into play there. I don't think it's well, dead, then but think think about think about the long term play if this becomes one. That means the heyday of being a radio broadcaster in Philly. How long ago did ninety seven five turn sports? How long uh, has it been now? At least eight years, I'd say. Probably so about like five, ten. six years ago would be the time because there was competition, the money needed to be spent. I bet you their salaries went up for retention and for radio battles and sites like yours, Radio Wars. And then if it were to become a one town, one radio town again, in about, I'd say two to three years after that, you're going to start seeing, I believe, some of the higher priced talent leaving because in that one radio station is going to have to figure out their lineup and the question will then be will they spend money on new talent retaining talent or will they not spend money at all and then will there be one lesser option uh and it's going to be what you just said about intercom and what their plan is because it's that's that was a merger that i think all of the radio stations are wondering how is this going to impact us i know that i'm interviewing with radio shows and radio stations and i've heard intercom mentioned multiple time as a we'll have to wait and see so it's very interesting um the other the other thing there i sort of lost my train of thought here but the other thing is that um what did you say before before the last bit there uh salaries becoming yeah, a one uh, yes radio yes yes so uh, i don't i think the day the 500th Plus thousand dollar local radio host, the Missinelli, certainly Cataldi over a million. I think that's done. There's too much radio in a way is like newspapers, where for a while there was very few outlets for advertisers to go if you wanted to reach a sports audience through an audio medium. Um, that justified paying someone like Angelo over a million dollars a year. There's too much diversity, too many options podcasts, the internet, cable TV. Uh, social media, apps, phones. There's just not the the funneling of attention into one radio show. Ten years ago, even ten years ago, when the Phillies won the World Series, the next morning you almost had to go and turn on WIP to talk about the game locally. That will not be the case. That is not the case now, and it will absolutely not be the case the next time one of our teams skyrockets. That that funneling of attention is gone. So I think on a local level, you're not going to see the massive audiences in that 25 to 45 demographic that are going to be able to command those super high salaries even a podcast like this like if if we make this successful we're it we're never going to get every listening sports fan in philly the way cataldi had 10 plus years ago and so on there's just too many options for people and people are always going to go to something that suits their taste and they might not like you know and no one thing is going to satisfy everybody I agree with you and I disagree with you in this way. The ESPN firings, I said, the upper middle class is gone. That three hundred dollars to $600,000 guy. You're either a $200,000 guy or you're a million-dollar carton guy. But that's nationally. 
but it, right, you know, but I mean, I, nationally in New I, York. But I think this. I think, like you were saying, these guys have gotten stale. If a new Philly guy came on the scene, which is unlikely, just because where is it going to come from at this point, and was able to generate a lot of buzz with a new strategy and a new way of connecting. Radio is still a medium that people do listen to, especially the big stations, that it could generate so much that it would be worth it ad dollars to support their salary. The other thing that you're not factoring in, advertisers are older than us. Advertisers like traditional mediums because they feel safer with their dollars. And I don't see a lot of the money leaving radio at that quick of a speed because it's when I, when I witness like Budweiser reps, the younger reps are the ones that go out in the clubs and meet with monster energy, but they have no say it's the 50 something white guys that have the really nice suits that have like the really nice house up in Connecticut. They choose where their money goes and they don't understand Instagram and Snapchat yet, but they get radio. And so that's why I think that it's always a slower development in terms of money because with advertisers, it, they're typically a generation or two away from what is new. So I think it would be if somebody new came on and because advertising dollars moves a lot slower than we all think it should. It I is a shame, though, if you, if, you, if you think about it, it is a shame that in this market, it, it just seems totally unsupportable to have two fully fleshed out uh, two fully fleshed out lineups on two different stations. I mean, if you look at at the 97.5 and the WIP lineups next to each other, at any given time slot, you can throw one of those shows away. And it's not even where it's it's a a tight race between two. It really is. Like in in the morning, it's it's Angelo or Bus. In the afternoon, like maybe you could make a case that it's kind of close. I like Harry Mays. I'm not sure about Rob Ellis, but the the afternoon show, like it's Mizzinelli. The the Carlin and and Ike Reese show is such an abomination to what sports talk radio should be um, for anybody of any kind of decent quality care. Yeah. Uh, so why do you just dis- because I haven't really listened to it? Why do you dislike that show so much? It's just it's vanilla to the max. Like, look, I I. I, I've said before. It's, 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 I'll pile on Russ's answer. It is super old school. Like, like we're going to throw out the hottest take. I mean, first of all, I, I've never been a fan of Ike Reese, but Carlin has come here and he has just gone backwards. Like all the things people nowadays will say they hate about sports talk radio, super contrived debate, throwing out a big loud opinion just to generate calls. Carlin, like all day long, worse than maybe anybody locally right now. Even Cataldi, his his. Uh, trolling is very much that. It's a shtick. You you kind of get the tongue-in-cheek nature when he says stuff. Carlin is just a fat guy yelling. And it's and then, and I think what makes it even worse is the fact that like yeah, <clears throat> people loved or hated Ennis. He was very polarizing, but the show that he was doing is so vastly different and I would still say that even on a bad day was a superior product even on its worst days where he was moody and just kind of, you know, throwing a fit and being disinterested after Andy Bloom was fired. That show on its worst day is still better or more entertaining. The problem or the knock that was always on his show seemed to be that he didn't talk enough sports. Well, when your teams are awful, and this is where I th- I thought he filled a, a much needed void in the city. When when the teams were bad, his show was entertaining. When he and Bruno started 
and the teams were not fantastic, and we were waiting for Eagles season. It was it was an entertaining show to listen to on a commute. The Carlin and Reese show just misses the mark on so many fronts. Like I liked Ike Reese when he was back on CSN Philly years years ago as an analyst. Like that was great. He was an analyst for football, and that was it. But to try to make him a four for four sport guy doesn't work. And Carlin coming as as an out of towner, you know, you don't. I don't listen to the show much, but I don't see on Twitter the vitriol that Ennis would get of "You're not from here." So it's it, you take this this show that maybe was what you were talking about, bringing the energy to the market. Uh, Ennis did that, and now in the aftermath, it's almost like WIP decided, or the powers that be decided, we need to not only erase that from everyone's memory, but we need to double down on traditional radio. Yeah, and, I, it, and, I, and it is awful. I think CBS Radio in New York had something to do with that. Carlin had a lot of uh, had worked for a lot of those guys out of New York for a while, and I think that was in large part their decision, or certainly at their encouraging. Uh, one last, or I don't know if it has to be the last thing, but Adam, to your point about age, I'm with you that the the older advertisers who spend the big money are still all about radio. But this is what was happening with newspapers 10 years ago. When you're when something is being you're clinging on to something just because the people in power are old and make decisions while well, old people retire and die. So I'm with you that it's it might not be it's not going to be super quick and it will be a slow burn, but there will eventually become a tipping point and I think what you're going to see and the hosts we're using for this podcast, a company called Art19, there's another one out there called Audio Boom. The holy grail right now in podcasting to get the big ad dollars, the Budweiser's of the world, no educated guy in their 50s who's a, who's a marketing exec at these companies, they're well aware of the different mediums. The problem specifically with podcasting is that it's very tough to track the ads. When someone downloads a show... That's it. it. It shows up as a play. You have right. no insight into how far in they got, um, if they made it to an ad. Now, what the, the host we're using is trying to build a platform from the ground up that allows visibility into that. So if you're subscribing through a feed, you still don't get that back feedback. But they are striking partnerships and building out a platform from the ground up that if you hit the streaming button on the website – um, I'd actually rather you subscribe, but if you hit the button on the website or you listen through iHeartRadio or other companies they're going to partner with, it will actually send back information to say how far someone has listened, whether they hit the ad. Once the majority of podcast listens are able to track who is listening to the ads, I think you'll really start to see the big money pouring in because ads on podcast host read by us. If I stopped right now and ran an ad, it would be more impactful than a radio ad where you kind of instantly shut off because you know it's commercial time. So I'm with you that it's a slow burn, but relying on something just because of age, over time you're going to see, I think there will hit a tipping point where you will start to see that those walls come down rather quickly. And I um, agree with you. I think, you know, the end of newspapers was the Internet because you could read it. Uh, and then podcasts are going to have to be that for radio. That is the alteration to the medium that could change it. But like you said, there's an immediacy to radio in the morning or when news breaks agreed. that I don't know if podcasts can do yet. Um, that's kind of what we're trying to do. Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the mornings, have it hopefully out for your commute so that it's out. But yep. to be a true disruptor, it's to kind of be in the same places that it is. Newspaper, 
it's like reverse. It's like, how was the internet not here the entire time? But for podcasts, yeah, that's that's the there's still a a need a necessity for radio for when things change, like you mentioned before. That's a good it's a good sort of anti analogy between newspapers and the internet and podcasts and radio about live and recency. Um, right. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's move on. We got we got some other questions. We're obviously not going to get to them all, but that was a good topic. Um, this is also from Kevin D in the iTunes five star review. Uh, switching gears a little bit, got a couple of Phillies ones here. Uh, Kevin D from SJ. Should the Phillies be buyers or sellers at the deadline, and what would you do with Jeremy Hellickson? Uh, quickly, I will say they should not be buyers. I wouldn't be surprised if they're still hovering around 500 if they went out and obtained a middling closer or half-decent reliever just to keep them in the mix for the rest of the season. But I don't think you're going to see them go out and go gangbusters trying to make the playoffs this year. But I wouldn't be totally shocked to see them add a piece or two for three months to you know spend a few bucks and give them a chance to maybe stay in the hunt. Um, any thoughts on this, Russ? I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit on, on this one front. If if the Phillies get to the trade deadline and they're somewhere around 500 or slightly over, I don't think they should be you know looking for the aging vet. But the possibility of making a wild card spot, if it's if it's not totally out of reach, if they can trade some of these prospects that they've been building up, and they can acquire a younger guy who's under team control for a few more years, and it can actually lead them into the playoffs to get key at-bats, key innings for their young relievers and young starters. I do think that's worth it. I think baseball is a little bit different in that versus what I'd want to see the Sixers do or the Flyers do or even the Eagles do. I think playoff experience in baseball um, maybe is even a little bit more important than any other sports. And And I would say that if they can get a guy under team control, it makes a lot of sense for them to to try to make a little bit of a run as a wild card. You know that you won't go very far in the playoffs if you are to make it. But um, that said, I do think it it might make a little bit of sense if it's a, a young guy. I, aging vets don't make sense. And bringing in veteran leadership at the end of the season in, in baseball for me just doesn't doesn't quite do it. I think in terms of Jeremy Hellickson, one, hey, he's 4-0. He's super great. 4-1 he's 30. Now. <laughs> yeah, what is he now? Four and one? Did that happen yeah, six, last night? Eight runs and six innings, six runs and eight innings, six runs and four. The, something the other like thing that. is, Bad he's outing. he's thirty years old, um, and we're not going to be ready in a year or two. So, if the offer is good for him, I think I would completely understand it, just from an age perspective and from an throwing perspective and an arm perspective. If he were to keep going at the deadline, I. I think you have to keep. I think you have to keep shipping out to keep bringing in at this point because I'm not, I'm not seeing the core yet that's really ready to make a run. And I think uh, it sucks to keep sending out guys that are doing well, but you know, thus is life in the major leagues when you're trying to build a Orioles or an Astros or something like that. Robert Q. Larson on Twitter uh, wants to know, why do all the media homers insist that making Velasquez a closer is a bad idea? He averages 94.6 pitches in 5.3 innings. Uh, Jeffrey Rule, uh, who we friend of the friend of the show and website, also wants to know this. I have a, an actual answer on this. 
First of all, the Phils aren't ready to give up on Velasquez as a starter. He is trying to become a pitcher as opposed to a thrower this year, and they still think a guy who can eat up five innings and has that sort of stuff, they can eventually get him to seven innings and get him to quality starts. Uh, so I don't think they're ready to give up on him as a starter, even though he, on the eye test, looks like he makes sense as a closer. Also, you've seen Hector Neris struggle with his mentality on the mound. He's right. twitchy. Uh, he has, he's a totally different person in the ninth inning than he is with the eighth inning. The Phils have those same concerns about Velasquez, that he's a little bit um, ADD out there on the mound and the sort of guy who in the ninth inning, when things start going wrong, he likes to blame everything else. He'll blame his, his spike or the dirt on the mound or call the trainer out because he's having a problem with his fingernail. Not, not that he's an excuse maker, but he very easily can kind of get distracted. And I think the reason Neris is struggling in the ninth inning, there's no, they think Velasquez would have the same issues and they're not ready to give up on him as a starter yet. So I think it's a little bit of both. And that, that answer is not totally speculation. I actually have a little bit of insight on that. But um, any thoughts, guys? I want to I want to see if he can heads. do it. Uh, yeah, fair. Well, no, because I, I think... I don't think they're ready to give up on him yet, though. They're definitely not. No, Velasquez not. has had two good starts, including that win over the Cubs. And he has good stuff. You know, like, I, I get it. It's just... He's so much more valuable to us as a starter that I, I, this is the time, this is the time to experiment and see if he can handle that. And then the mental makeup of lasting innings and not just coming in and throwing that 94, 95, um, I would like him to be a starter. So I'm okay with them keeping to trot him out, even though he would be better than what we have at the back end right now. I think he's a guy who throws 25 pitches in an inning, and they're afraid the ninth inning could get away from him very quickly uh, with his mentality and his control, too. Um, All right, we have a a lot more questions. Um, We will get to them. I should have known that radio topic was a good 30-minute conversation, but uh, I thought it was well worth it. Um, So let's skip ahead. Yeah. What's What's oh, that? okay. I forgot. We got a cool segment. I forgot. Yeah, My apologies. We got a couple of good segments here. So let's move on to segments. We will get to those questions. Keep them coming. We promise to answer them. I guess uh, we might not always answer that many, but we'll give you good answers on the ones we get to. Uh, first segment today, feed the trolls. Um, who is doing the best to feed the gremlins of the internet? I'll go yesterday. Albert Breer uh, out of Boston, MMQB contributor all around. I think he does work for several national sites. He demanded evidence of the racist taunts at Adam Jones at Fenway Park, said he wasn't going to believe it if there wasn't evidence, tweeted that he's been over to over 200 games at Fenway, and he's never heard the N-word used once. Um, so <laughs> It's amazing um, how he was able to be in every seat at every game in all you know, time. You know, I've been to a lot of conference, uh, concerts, and I've never seen an NFL wide receiver uh, drop an N-bomb either, but hey, it happens, right? Uh, so I'll go with Albert Breer feeding the trolls. He got people really riled up here. And absolutely, this is this is a great callback to earlier. I think it was Mike Lupica maybe did an article and tried to, to find if someone actually heard this or saw it or had video. And the evidence, and this is what Breer was tweeting, okay, now I believe it, because some high school kid named Get this, Nico in center field at Fenway hey. heard, heard the N-bomb hurled at Adam Jones, and, and this Albert Breer is now uh, ready to accept that this happened because a high school kid named Nico. Uh, <laughs> Russ? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Steve Levy, who tweeted, 
would like to believe Caps players and fans deep down don't want to beat the Pens this way without Sid, referring to obviously Sidney Crosby. Um, Crosby got knocked out in Game 3, for those of you who haven't been following. Um, Matt Niskanen drops a massive cross-check across the head of Sidney Crosby, who is notorious or is, uh, you know, unfortunately for him and for Penguins fans, not that I take any sympathy on either, um, he has been plagued by concussion injuries in the past. And uh, I can't imagine that any Caps fan cares that Crosby is now out of the series and feels like beating the Penguins now is somehow less of an accomplishment. Although, may I remind people that with Crosby out, that means that their other top five NHL talent, Evgeny Malkin, now steps into that role. So it's not like the Flyers where you would lose Giroux and they would put like Pierre-Edouard Bellemare as the uh, <laughs> top-line center. Um, I'd also like to point out that the Caps are also... Um, you know, in, especially in recent years, have had dreadful luck in the playoffs. They can come in as a top seed or a top two seed and typically lose in that first round. So the fact that they managed to get out of the first round, um, yeah, they're they're not they're going to take it however they can. And if it gets them to yeah, the Stanley I- Cup final and gets Ovechkin uh, to the pinnacle of the sport, yeah, Caps fans don't care, Steve. Yeah, I didn't care that the Sixers beat the Bulls when they were the eight seed and the Bulls were the one because Derrick Rose was hurt. I didn't care. You advance. Uh, I got two. One that happened at around 11 last night. Uh, CBS Sports' Jason Locke and Fora uh, tweeted, boy. If, Colin Kaep- if Colin Kaepernick isn't signed in the next few weeks, it could be a long, long wait. This seems to be about much more than football to me. Wow. Uh, you think, uh, the other one that I think has been just feeding the trolls and he's feeding the trolls so hard that he's impacting how I think about his kin, uh, LeVar ball seeking $200 (laughs) for the big baller brand shoes. Uh, so he's turned down by Nike Adidas and under armor. And it comes out that he wants to do a super premium, Big baller brand shoe. Um, I mean, this guy feeds so many trolls that it's reached a point where I don't know if I want the Sixers to draft Alonzo. And I used to say, who cares? But now he is such a troll feeder that I don't think I could deal with him all the time. Just from a fan perspective, I don't want to talk about this motherfucker that often. So he is the ultimate troll feeder, I think, at this time. Never mind who's awesome. going to manufacture the shoes. He's got to find a distribution chain. Like, you, they, If you need a $200 shoe, it better be a damn good shoe, and you can't just go get some random-ass factory in China to slap it together. Well, oddly enough, that's what they said he has to go to now because most yes. of the major American brands have, have walked away from them, that he's now looking out to China to, uh, to bring the shoes in. I will also point out, that if Julio Okafor is not traded or released by the start of next season and the Sixers were to draft Lonzo Ball, I am totally in favor of a celebrity death match between Jaleel Okafor's dad and uh, and uh, Lonzo Ball's dad. I think it would be fantastic. Put those I demand two that they together. sit together courtside. Just imagine the tweets. We have a live I mean, stream like, on the two of them all game, all uh, season. Like if we if we got two and five or one and four, and Lonzo was the right pick, 
I'm not saying it's going to change what they do. It definitely will not because you need to build a franchise around athletics and, and ability. But holy crap, I do not, I do not want this dude yelling at the people of Philadelphia and setting up his own shop outside of <laughs> of Broad Street and trying to sell his clothes. Like, I, it would really be annoying. He's, he's out there, like the guys at the end of Eagles games, like pedaling off the shirts for like three bucks. Yeah. After after the game, Except like three hundred dollars, he's out there with the Romo Swallows guys. You got Romo Swallows five dollars, and then the Big Baller brand shoe for two oh five. Oh man! Um, seriously though, CSN wants content. That's how you do. That's how you do con, uh, next level content. Got to be a thing. Is uh, is a live stream on Okafor and uh, Ball's dad's courtside. Um, last one. This is actually going to kick off its own segment. Very excited about this. I don't know if most people have probably heard by now. Doug Overton, Sixers great. Um, LaSalle great, current Lincoln College coach, um, for this hour at least, uh, was caught on the Balakinwood walking trail exposing himself. I just want to read this little excerpt from the Delco Times. According to police, officers received numerous calls shortly after noon Sunday that a man was exposing himself on the Kinwood Trail. One of the callers told the police the man appeared to be touching himself around his genitals. Another witness told police that the man's penis was outside of his pants and that he was continuously looking at a female in the area. The witnesses then told police he was seen walking on the trail with his penis exposed. A male witness told police, this is my favorite part, the subject yeah, was walking is toward him with his penis fully out of his pants. He was described by the wit- witness as walking, quote, calmly and deliberately and seemed to be aware that he was exposing himself, but, quote, seemed content with the situation, police reported. Uh, aren't we all? Um, he's got to get fired for this, right? He's done, Man. right? Just walk, the, walking calmly and deliberately, touching his genitals, walking directly at people. Sounds like he's done it before, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like he knows the trail. Make Hang a left at the stone, make a right at the fir tree. Um, golly. Like, I thought this was only homeless people in Central Park. I did not realize that former Sixers and head coaches are just whipping it out and winking at people and saying, welcome to the Kenwood trail. Holy crap. Yeah. The first, I feel like the first time you let your penis hang out on a walking trail, you're a little bit anxious. Yeah. Well, you know what? Everybody needs a walking stick. There you go. Russ, do you have thoughts? I hope you're the teacher here. He's, he's done at Lincoln, right? You can't, there's no bouncing back from that. Right. Yeah. No, 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 that that's all over. I hope he gets the help he needs because that, uh, man, that is, that is awful. And so, yeah, he's, he's done. There is no way for a university to, uh, to spin this any, any other way other than saying that, like, I don't know, he tried a, an experimental medication for something and, and one of the side effects is walking around and exposing yourself on a trail. Can always which, go bath salts. You can try the bath salts defense. Yeah, he's um, done. <laughs> Isn't it weird that well, the first thing I thought is, man, I, I need to, to find a good trail and go for a walk. Is that weird? Not not yeah, not to expose myself, but it actually to, to look at, sounded to look nice at for a Sunday afternoon. Strolling yeah, hey. with Lefko, the Saturday episode of Crossing Broadcast. Dude, Dude. can you? I would that be that be such a good interview, a side by side walking interview with Doug Overton through the Kenwood Trail, explaining his mental mindset. That'd be great. Dude, Facebook and then I live that. Up. 
hang your balls out, let them air out, and uh, hope no one notices. Doug, you know what? This does feel nice. <laughs> this got a cool breeze going through the undercarriage. Anyway, um, that is so. That is our new. That is our new Let's segment. See. We're going to call it "Walking the Kinwood Trail" for when you truly bottom out in sports, and we look forward to uh, to using it often, hopefully, or not. So does that mean like ESPN just walked the Kinwood Trail last week? They sure did. They would have been they would have been prime candidates for walking the Kinwood oh, Trail. I like that. I like yeah. that. All right, uh, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Um, again, we welcome comments, feedback, and questions. If you haven't, subscribe in iTunes, Google Play. We are also live now in Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. Uh, any podcast player you have, just search Crossing Broadcast. You can dump the RSS feed. If you have one of those truly mongrel ones where you have to put in the actual feed address, that is on the website as well. Uh, in iTunes, or I guess it's called Apple Podcast now, feel free to leave us a five-star review. And if you include a question, we promise to get to it. We did get to the questions that were in the reviews in this show. That's where the radio question came from, and it gave us an entire show. Uh, thanks for listening. Anything else, guys? No, that's it, no, man. Happy good. Wednesday, everybody. Right, five we'll stars, baby. Give them up. See you on Friday. I'd be chatting on the interweb. Maggots prey upon the living dead I had no interest in the things she said